traditional tabletop and live-action role-playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to Patreon for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thin Bloods. Grab a drink and your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Gehenna Gaming interview. Today, I am joined by my good friend Dixie Cochran, in-house developer, writer, and editor for Onyx Path Publishing, as well as a freelance editor, podcaster, and many more things. Um, Hi, Ian, I'm assuming, in chat. (laughs) Hi, Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Um, I like to joke that you can throw a stone in a game store. You're probably going to hit a book that Dixie has worked on. Uh, but you probably also should not throw stones in your friendly local neighborhood game store because they're yeah, like, not like that. Only do that if you're going to buy the books. Yes. Hi, Neil. <laughs> uh, you may also recognize Dixie as one of the regular cast members on many of our streamed one shots uh, from our They Came From Beneath the Sea game at VHC, as well I, as. I cannot stop talking about that game. That was too much fun. Yeah, that was. That's probably my favorite game I've ever. Sorry, watched. you have like a spiel and I keep interrupting it, but that's because I interrupt Matthew all the time on the podcast. So. Yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. It's 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 appropriate. Um, and most most recently, our Ten Candles game from just this past Sunday at SafeCon. Um, it was so much fun. It was. That was a great game, too. Dixie, so thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. And we've been, I've, I think I've been trying to schedule doing an interview with you since midwinter. It just hasn't been in the cards? It's just, it's just been very, we've been very busy. But I also try oh, to Oh no, it's not like you've I mean, you've only run three conventions this summer while we were in a nationwide, you know, reunion tour. And also um everything else you do, you launched a podcast. Yes. You're streaming like seven freaking days a week. Yes. <laughs> You're not busy. Nope. Liar. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. But uh, you are also very busy. Um you I, I know that the Pathcast has been uh going strong through the entire pandemic and also a lot of books have been <laughs> popping up on kickstarter and i'm pretty sure you've worked on at least 99 percent of them that's actually not so much true now that i'm in-house developer um i contract out a lot more editing than i used to mm-hmm. um so it, it it used to be that if it came through onyx path there was a really good chance i had edited it but i do not have time to edit 10 books in the editing queue at once that's fair um, especially with other work I have. So um, a lot more of my stuff gets, gets contracted out now. And I know a lot of folks right now have been looking at our, uh, our production list and being like, why are there so many things in editing? And it's like, because everybody's dealing with the same global pandemic that you are. Yeah. And a, we're all very busy. Yeah, I always notice <laughs> like, people complain when they, they're like, everything's in editing or art direction. And I'm like, well, first off. <laughs> Both of those departments are one person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one person for each both those departments, and there's a lot of those books, so it takes some time. Yeah, and also, like, we use a lot of the same artists, so when you right. think about it that way, like, if you give an artist enough work to keep them busy for a month, they can't work for a month. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Amy Wilkins, who does all of our, like, not all of our, but a lot of our vampire portraits. Mm-hmm. Like, if we give her a bunch of vampire work to do, then she can't, like, she can't work on 
four paintings at one time. That doesn't exactly. make any sense. Exactly. So, but hopefully things will improve. <laughs> I don't want to say right? back to normal because mm, let's how, we, let's get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I, I was saying uh, I think one of the panels this past weekend that I, I don't want things to go back to normal. I want things to get better. Same. And that's just kind of the drum I've been beating. So. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, uh, for the people in chat who might not know who you are um, or aren't familiar with your work anyway, how did you get your start in tabletop gaming? Oh, gosh. Like the, the, the work or the games themselves? Uh, the games themselves. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I started gaming uh, technically when I was seven. Um, my mom, my, my mom was a single mom for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was seven and then she got remarried when I was 14 or 15, 15. I don't remember 16, somewhere in there. Um, so there were like several years where it was just me and her. And for a while she had a roommate named Kim, mm -hmm. um, who played D and D and okay. they ran a game for all the kids. Cause like uh, Kim and my mom's other two friends that, 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 that played occasionally all had kids between like six and 10. Okay. So they ran like simplified kind of advent. Like honestly, if Pugmire had been around, he would have been playing Pugmire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they ran a campaign just for the kids. And I was already into fantasy, like mm -hmm. because of my 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 aunt, who is my favorite aunt. I got a tattoo for her. Um, she passed away a few years ago. But like she got me into fantasy when I was really young. Like she was giving me the Chronicles of Narnia books and stuff when I was like five. Okay. Um, because I was one of those like kids who liked to read and didn't like people. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I started reading things like Chronicles of Narnia. I read, there's a really short YA series from like the late 80s called The Secrets of the Unicorn Queen that I will never forget because my best friend that I thought it was the best thing ever when we were like seven. Okay. Like my first D&D character was named after the main character from that. <laughs> that's awesome. Because that's who I am as a person. Uh, things things like A Wrinkle in Time, stuff like that. So like I, I was always into fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, so getting into D&D where you just put numbers to play and pretend was really cool. Uh, and then I, and then I didn't play for a long, long, long time until high school, and that's mm -hmm. when Vampire the Masquerade happened when I, in like ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, was when I got introduced to that. So I got into high school. I met other goth kids for the first time. We all kind of saw each other. They took me under their wing. Uh, they were like, "Here's where the weirdos hang out. Come with us, little tiny, tiny Dixie." <laughs> um, and then we actually had a sci fi fantasy club at my school. Oh, nice. So Sci-Fi Fantasy Club was actually a cover for role-playing club because back in the Satanic Panic, uh, role-playing yeah. had been banned at my high school and they never unbanned it. Uh, they might have now, but they hadn't by 99. Um, this was over 20 years ago when I started high school because I am not young. Um, okay, but yeah. Yeah, I know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and person, but... <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, gotten to like played actually a lot of different role-playing games through them a lot of white wolf games because of yeah. course we were the weird kids so we like the white wolf games mm -hmm. so like i played changeling i played mage i played vampire i played a little bit of werewolf um didn't really play the uh chronicles stuff much but played all the old world stuff yeah. and then we also played stuff like in nominee um yes yes again this was over 20 years ago in february of 2020 yeah. um <laughs> we played in nominee we actually played the sailor moon role-playing game from the 90s uh yeah, so I was I was the treasurer of Sci-Fi Club for a while, the secretary. I was something like that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the president, but I was one of those roles. And we had a really cool teacher who was our advisor who, like, just fucked off and let us use his trailer and, like, outside his trailer to play games. Like, he didn't supervise the club. We, we, we would put out a movie, <laughs> and sometimes we'd be in board games, 
and we and we always had like soda and chips and stuff and then all the role-playing kids would go like sit outside in a circle if it was nice or inside in the back if it was like rainy we would just play our role-playing games it was it was really cool i have no idea what that teacher did i'm assuming he just like went and hung out in the lounge for three hours <laughs> i like seriously don't know I, I i have no idea if anyone out there in the world can tell me what mr shanahan did from the hours of like 2.45 to 4.30 every Wednesday. I would love to know because I'm very curious. I should like look up his son on Facebook or something. Yeah, it, he probably was just like, I'm just going to leave. I mean, knowing <laughs> Mr. Shanahan, he might have been like getting high in his car. I don't fucking yeah. know. He was real chill. Fantastic. Um, so you started with D&D and then eventually moving into World of Darkness. Um what what's your favorite it's always such a hard question because i mean it's hard to have a favorite yeah obviously um neil's gonna get real mad at me if, if i don't say scion but whatever uh <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's also like favorite onyx pass game favorite like all-time rpg yeah. favorite mechanics favorite world because like mm-hmm. they're all super different things so like I'm actually kind of in love with the free login mechanics right now yes. just because I've been playing a lot of those with you and they're really easy to pick up and I adore easy to pick up mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I think for my favorite world, shut up, Neil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think my favorite world would either be Exalted or Shadowrun just, just mm-hmm. for the world itself. Um, because when I think of like a world that I, th- I think it'd be fun to actually be in, yeah, that's like kind of what I think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's a different answer for every category. If you were like favorite Onyx Path RPG, I'd probably say Scion or Pugmire, um, with Cavaliers of Mars being a close runner up because I love Cavaliers of Mars and Trinity is amazing the more I play it and it's like moving up there because I, well, because I'm, I'm just now playing it really with, right. um, Eddie and Matthew. Yeah. So like playing the core is and I'm really excited for Assassins, Anima, and um, Adventure. Because those are all worlds I'm slightly more interested in. Yeah, same. So, so yeah. So, like, the, they're all super cool. And yeah. I love them. But, like, I have different answers for art. Like, my favorite art in an RPG is Bluebeard's Bride. Yep. Yep. My favorite one-shot <laughs> RPG is probably Dread, but no. Yep. Honestly, they came from Beyond the Grave. It's one of my favorites. Like, mm. I like too many role-playing games. It's a problem. Yeah, that it's almost yeah. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I literally have like seven game books sitting by my chair right now for different lines. I like work. I was either working on or playing. Right. So like, I've got all the Pugmire books that I own. I've got what Scion. I've got Trinity. I've got Vampire, and I've got L five R. Just all sitting like right here at a little pile. Nice. Like I don't know. Um. What's your favorite one to work on? Writing or reading? Because those are actually different answers. Both. Uh, writing is that they came from line. Yeah. Like, as much as I love doing the more serious stuff, I I was talking to Meredith about it, actually, and she's like, I'm worried about hitting the tone. And I was like, glass and a half of wine. <laughs> um, nope. Because that is how I write they came from. Like, because you've got to turn your filter off. That's like, this has to be good. Yeah. And turn it off in favor of this should be funny. Yeah. Which means you need to let like three inhibitions go. Yep. Like, I think they came from beyond the grave and they came from beneath the sea are both funnier. If like, like 
playing even if you've had like a glass of wine mm-hmm. like just enough to like loosen your tongue a little bit oh yeah definitely um, i can see that i having yeah having played it not having had a drink and then <laughs> run it actually i don't drink when i run games though so. but yeah um and see i was drinking a lot of whiskey when i was playing virginia Zephyrum, and i think i was getting funnier <laughs> like as the night went on and i i'm not just saying that because i was drinking like when i i've gone back and watched some of the game oh yeah and i'm like i was literally getting funnier because i was letting myself say stuff mm-hmm. that like dixie wouldn't say oh, like yeah. i'm not a big like entendre person mm-hmm. generally but in that character i i, I needed to be yeah no it, it, that makes sense especially with a game where you're playing 50s tropes like mm-hmm. being a little bit uncouth on not pc is kind of how you're supposed to approach yeah yeah i mean the table's comfortable with it yeah of course um so that's my favorite one to write as of right now that mm-hmm. i've worked on uh my favorite stuff to edit as much as i love editing onyx path stuff i think it's just the most fun for me now to edit something that i haven't looked at before that makes sense so like as, as great as it is to be able to work on all these game lines, I probably like thought about them and talked about them in meetings for months and months and months before I ever see a book. Um, I get a project outside of Onyx Path just because it's 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 like a palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, I also feel the same way about doing fiction. Yeah. Like when I go from editing game book and game book and game book and somebody hands me a fiction anthology or a novel and they're like, do this. I'm like, yes, please. I don't want to read a mechanic. <laughs> no rules. I don't want to read a single mechanic this entire book. Um, so, like, when I was doing the Pugmire and Malfiction anthologies, mm-hmm. I would actually, split, like, break them up. And I would do, like, two short stories as a reward for doing, like, a section of a big game book. That makes sense. Um, because it was such a nice palate cleanser to just be, like, I don't have to look at fucking numbers. Like, like I don't have to worry about what styles these are in too much, aside from the fact that they should all be in N. As opposed to a regular book where I'm like, is that bold? Is that sidebar two? Is that sidebar three? What's going on there? I don't know. Like, the title is in one thing and the body is in another. And that's it. And I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. I think that um, having now written some tabletop stuff, like yeah, the self-editing for it is, hold on, styling. <laughs> As opposed to, uh, I used to a content writer for blogging so mm-hmm. it's again very yes yeah. I, I have a i want to talk more about like the editing process and what it's like editing for the differences but um briefly mm-hmm. well actually we th- this goes back to my original question like so then how did you get into working uh ask backwards through nepotism um Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, I was going to joke about this. So I I went to college wanting to do this. Like, this is what I, I planned to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, edited our school paper. I took a bunch of English classes, a bunch of rhetoric, composition classes. Um, I, I, I really actually wanted to edit stuff, which is a weird thing. A lot of people are like, I wanted to write, then I ended up being an editor. And I'm like, I did not want to write. Like, that was not <laughs> what I, 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 I ended up doing some writing, and it's cool. But that's not what I wanted to do when I was in mm-hmm. school. Um, and so I got out of school, I started looking around, looking around. It's really hard to find work as a freelance copy editor that isn't, like, um, scammy or really, really, really boring, honestly. Like, lots of, you know, blogs that I don't care about. Um, and also not, like, full-time work. 
Uh, but I was talking on the phone one day to my friend Rose Bailey, who uh, some people might know as my predecessor in this job, because uh, she and I uh, like dated back in two thousand and four, five. No, it was after that. I was I was over twenty one. Let's say two thousand and seven, eight, something like that. I don't remember. It was it was before March of twenty twenty, so it's in the before times, and therefore I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, um, time is meaningless now. But yeah, so she and I dated like years and years ago. We we kind of remained friends. We didn't talk for a while. We reconnected. We're talking on the phone one day because we hadn't talked in so long. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of mentioned that I was frustrated because I've been like trying to do stuff. I've been doing a couple of projects for free for friends, hoping that like that would build me a resume, you know, just whatever. And just nothing was panning out. And I had been unemployed for a while. Um, so I, I had just gotten a job at like a bookstore because I was like, I'm just going to work retail and keep trying to figure this out, you know? Yeah. Um, and she was like, do you want to try a project for, for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, and she sent me the Demon Translation Guide. It's like a 30K project. Yep. Um, and I did it. And she was really happy with my work. So I started getting slightly bigger books. And then I think the first uh, core book I got was actually the Chronicles second edition core. Uh, so I did that, and then I did Changeling Second. I always try to remember, like, what all I did before I worked here full-time versus yeah. after. But, like, I did about two... I did two or three of the 20th anniversaries. I did Wraith. I did Changeling. I don't know. I flipped my resume, honestly. Like, I, I, I don't retain the stuff that I edit because I'm not reading to retain it. I'm reading it yeah. to edit it, so... Uh, so yeah, so I did tons and tons of, of um, projects for Rose, mm-hmm. and then when Rose decided she wanted to pursue her own thing and step back from the industry, she actually recommended me for this job. Nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, so like it wasn't on purpose, <laughs> although I've always liked role playing as a hobby. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't done it much in a while actually when I got up with her. Now, now of course I can do it a lot, which is great. Yes. Um, I did do Mage Twenty. <laughs> no, no, wait, no, I, I didn't do Mage Twenty. No, I'm lying. I just did Changeling and Wraith. I, I did. I did other books for Mage yeah, for like the Mage Twenty line, all of which were incredibly long. But no, not the seven hundred page tome. Because I, I remember I used to tease Rose about how much I would have liked that paycheck. Yeah, because um, <laughs> that would have been a several thousand dollar editing job, yeah. and I would have been super excited to have that. Uh, but yeah, thank you for reminding me. And like for a minute, I thought I did it, and then I forgot. <laughs> this is the problem, though. Like Eddie talks all the time about how somebody will be like, "Oh, you worked on this." insert book from 15 years ago and he's mm-hmm. like i have no recollection of that it's, it's always funny flipping open a book and seeing someone's name in it and then talking to them and they're like i wrote on that cool yeah like for, i for uh, telling me. here I will, I will i'll literally go to my website while we're live because yeah. i bet there are books on here that i've forgotten about let's see let's see uh i i didn't put them all on here either i i always forget that i edited the scarlands player's guide how about that like <laughs> I love Scarlands, and I totally forget that I edited the Player's Guide, technically both versions. Um, the, the rule set I edited was Pathfinder. Okay. And they got a different editor to edit the D&D rule set, but my name's in both of them. Um, because I edited all the, like, setting text. Yep. Uh, I edited something called Building a Legend. I don't actually know what that is. Is that for Scion? I don't know. Nighthars the Tormented? Sure, I edited that. Yeah, see, I have no idea. Yeah, there's, there's, there's too much. Yeah. Night horrors, conquering heroes. I guess I edited that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, That's... you don't, Neil. <laughs> I don't even believe that. <laughs> oh no. Um. 
So Legend Legend is for beasts. That's correct. Ah. It sounds like a Scion book, doesn't it? I would have said Scion or Legend lore. Yeah, that's kind of weird. If that well, <laughs> I only knew it was a Legend lore book because I didn't edit any of Legend lore. So. Okay, yeah. So, in addition to all your editing, um, you're now the in-house developer for, I believe, the entire Chronicles line, as well yes, as Exalted. Yes, all 12 or 13 of them. If you ask me to name them, I can't, because I'll forget one, or I'll say one wrong. I can't. I can name most of them, but I will forget, oh, like, no, one, no, and no, then I'll feel like stuff. an asshole. Vampire, werewolf. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 <laughs> you say them with the subtitles. Oh, okay. Vampire, the Requiem. Yep. Werewolf, the Forsaken. Yep. Mage, the Awakening. Hunter the Vigil. Yep. Uh, Beast of Primordial. Geist the Senators. Yep. Changing the Lost. Yep. Mummy the Curse. Yep. Uh, this is where I'm going to start forgetting some. Oh, Promethean. Oh, look! You just did it for me, so I don't have to anymore. <laughs> Thanks! I'm done. Promethean the Created. Uh, Deviant the Renegades. And Demon the uh, Fall. Descent? No. Descent. Yeah, because Demon <laughs> the, the, the Fallen the, is the. I always get those world. two mixed up. And I don't know why it's those two that I always get mixed up. I, I I mix up mage. I mix up mage sometimes, but I live with a really big mage, the Awakening fan, to the point where he's getting a tattoo. So <laughs> I don't get them mixed up as much as I used to. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Although, fun, <laughs> maybe in a little bit. We do an <laughs> audience question part. Um, but like... What was I going to say? See, this is what happened. Oh, I love how we abbreviate it in-house, though, because it's, it's, it's M... Empty aw and empty as. <laughs> yeah, empty aw. <laughs> empty aw. Although, Werewolf the Forsaken and D- uh, Demon Look, the Fallen okay. win for the best acronyms. Yes. DTF and WTF. Yeah. That's perfect. So, um, how do you how do you like swap hats there was a question behind all of this (laughs) how do you swap hats between editing and then being like the line developer and where where's the crossover and how are they how do they differ um a lot of what i've had to learn uh over the past couple years i've been doing this is really about how to manage my time Mm -hmm. Uh, because for a long time there i was like oh i gotta get on my email as soon as it goes off but I, i i can't do that um so really it's about like chunking up my day yeah so uh i do what me and eddie both call it administrata in the morning mm-hmm. um you call it administrata like it, it, it's never going to go away like you you cannot fully get rid of administrata because there'll always be more administrata yeah but you can lessen the pile every day as, as, as much as possible and so i, I created that in the morning um <laughs> if, if i don't get that in the morning like if, if i've got a meeting or a recording or something i do that like first thing like either during lunch or after lunch yep. and then i try generally to get my editing done in the afternoon and since I have ADD, if I can't concentrate, sometimes I actually will just work at night instead because I concentrate better at night a lot of times. Mm, um, so sometimes I'll like eat dinner and then go back to work, especially if uh, my boyfriend is like doing freelance work. Yeah. Because he has to work at night too sometimes. So it's like, okay, well, might as well, you know, either I can go play a computer game or I can get more work done. Yep. Um, I, I'm still not perfect at it. I don't think a lot of people are. I think but both Eddie and I have many times talked about how we've allowed ourselves to get distracted by like, um, on his path, he's a Skype for our meetings. Yep. And like, I love Mike Shandy dearly if you're watching this, but he does like to ping you on Skype randomly sometimes. Um, <laughs> and I, I always feel like I have to check it. Mm. Um, or, or like Eddie will come to me with a problem or one of my developers will be like, Hey, do you have a few minutes? And then we'll talk for an hour because we need to like hammer something out. Yeah. And so sometimes I just don't get that editing. And as much as I want, so I've been trying to build a stable of reliable 
editors I can hire out to. Because right. honestly, Rich wouldn't care if I wasn't doing any editing if my work was getting done. Right. Because like my my main job is to manage my developers. Right. My other job is to edit when I have time. Mm-hmm. But past that, I've been farming out a lot more stuff, especially this summer when just everybody's having both financial issues and also just, you know, needing work from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Or, or just having trouble working. Like, I think we're all at, you know, 80% or less capacity. Yeah, I, th- I think that's... I, I'm i a bad example, but I feel like that's very accurate. <laughs> I I feel like it depends on the person. Um, Like... Travis Legg, for example, mm-hmm. one of our devs, is one of those people who, if you don't give him work, he dies. Yep. He, like, turns into a pumpkin and dies. Yeah, I'm the same way. So he's been taking on lots and lots of work, which is a way of coping, but it might mean that when this is all over, you might find yourself in need of a solid two-week vacation. Yep. 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 Um, so speaking of, uh, Onyx Path is structured very heavily of freelancers, and mm-hmm. you're all remote. Um, like 300 of them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How? I'm not joking. I know. I know you're not. I know. <laughs> I know so many of them now. And that's and that's just the writers. If I added the artists to that database, it's probably like four Oof. or five hundred. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how has obviously you've still been um pumping out Kickstarters and there's a lot of books, but a lot you know. Slight tangent. Onyx Path has a really good system with the Kickstarters where the book is typically pretty much done other than art. Like, it needs to go into layout and art at that point. Sometimes it needs to go into editing still. Like, I know that for Demigod, we did release unedited text while yeah. it was with an editor. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, How has the pandemic kind of affected, not not obvious, not productivity, but work? Have you had to change actual operational things? Or is it still not- mostly the same? It hasn't changed too much internally as far as, like, the eight people that make up the Monday meeting team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely has changed externally, um, like, in, in everybody else. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I I, I I was saying, like, earlier, there's there's a bit of a log jam in the editing right now. And that's because a lot of my editors don't have the capacity to do extra work right this second. Yep. Like... There was a couple who who tried really hard and then, you know, sent me the email that was like, I'm really sorry, I just can't do this right now. And I'm like, no, I, I get you. Like, I'm not punishing anybody for that kind of behavior right now because I understand it completely. Because yeah. believe me, if I could just like curl up and play video games for the next six months, I would. Um, but we need to get books out because that's how I get paid. Uh, well, it's not how I get, but you know what I mean. That's where the money comes from. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, like, it's it's been rough on everybody. Our entire team has had it rough. Like, uh, Rich a few weeks ago was like, take a week off, everybody. Just don't work next week. Bye. Um, and I spent all week playing video games, and it was great. That's awesome. Because I didn't do shit that week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's... It's affected the entire industry. I know there's probably a lot of small publishers that have been having some major issues with it. Now, granted, very few of us do this full-time in the RPG industry. That's that's right. relatively uncommon if you're not Wizards of the Coast, who, of Pizo, course, yeah. just sent all their people home with, like, laptops and were like, keep working. Yep. Um, but there are a lot of, like, these these mid-range publishers, like us, like Green Ranine, uh, who rely a lot on things like convention sales. Luckily, we don't rely too much on convention sales. We, we don't actually sell in our booth at conventions anymore. We let Studio 2 handle it for us mm-hmm. um, if, if they're there. And if not, we just go to demo stuff and point people at drive through yeah. or at Studio 2 or at IPR. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're lucky in that we didn't actually lose that revenue and are actually saving money not going to conventions. Um, but there are a lot of companies out there who make the bulk of their money uh, by selling at cons. Oh, yeah. And that's been so hard on the industry. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the, the individual folks, whether it's I think I might be sick or am I getting sick? I got to go get a test. Yep. Oh, I'm doing the work of three people because one of the two of my coworkers are out. Like both both my exalted devs are so overworked right now in their day jobs mm-hmm. that every time that I feel like I need to like poke at them about like a project, I feel like the biggest jerk because they just like they're so swamped and I can see it in their like social media and they will tell me directly. Um, I I think the other thing that's changed a lot this summer is that all of us, me, Eddie, Matthew, Rich, whoever, I think we've all been doing a lot more emotional labor than we usually do in this job. Yeah. Um, But honestly, that's, that's what we need to do. Like we, we have an HR person for resolving disputes, but we don't have like a counselor on staff or like an actual like department for that. So if one of my writers is having, a shitty time, one of my developers having a shitty time, I'll talk to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I talk to them for an hour or two. And I count it as a meeting, even if we're talking about bullshit for like one of those hours, yeah. because that's what they need. Like they need to be heard. They need to talk. They, they're, they're, they're lonely. They're sad. They're, you know, freaked out because their mom might be sick, whatever. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm here. Hello. I l- let me know what you need from me, yep. which also means a lot of people have been dropping off work this past year, which once again, we don't really blame anybody for that. It, it, it's yeah. it's actually kind of funny because at, at the beginning of this year, we started with this whole like, okay, we're going to be a little harder on people about deadlines and we're going <laughs> to be a little quicker to like take stuff away if they're not hitting their deadlines because deadlines are important and we need to pump a bunch of books out. And then March happened yep. and then all of us were like, I can't yell at these people mm-hmm. in this climate. Like, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had writers late for all kinds of reasons. I've got writers that are people of color. I've got queer writers. I've got writers who are dealing with all kinds of other stuff on top of the ongoing, you know, reunion tour, mm-hmm. as, as we say here. As we say here. And, yes. like, I, I just can't yell at anybody right now. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can put on my nicest customer service. Like, we really need this, like, as soon as possible. Like, can I take it off your plate? Which, of course, puts it on my plate. Yep. Um, but, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's been the biggest effect, I would say. It's just everybody's mental health has yeah. tanked. Yep. Like, I mean, I've, I've been very open about this. Like, I've, I went on Prozac for the first time this summer. Yeah, because I was in the worst depression of my life and almost didn't realize it because I didn't leave the house. Usually, not leaving the house is a symptom. Yep, but when you can't leave the house, yeah, no, yeah, I, uh, yeah, we, we we've talked about this. I I started therapy for the first time like, mm-hmm. actively first time um, in all of this because of that more yeah. or less and everything else going on. Yeah, it just tanks your mental health. Like it I does. I used to be that person that like. Even if I worked all week and I didn't leave the house all week, on the weekend, my boyfriend and I would, like, go walk around D.C. Or Mm -hmm. we'd go to a nice restaurant or we'd go have cocktails. And, like, even if we didn't do a lot, we'd, like, go out and be around people for a couple of hours. And now that we're not doing that. Yeah. And, like, also, it would would give me a reason to do things like, oh, no, wash my hair, change (laughs) clothes. Yep. So, yeah, when I was really bad for a minute there, excuse me, like, it was, like, the kind of bed where you're like, I've been wearing these clothes for eight days and I don't actually remember when I last washed my hair. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, stop mm-hmm. it. So I'm always really glad, actually, to set up, like, even these sorts of things, whether mm-hmm. it's an interview or whether it's a one shot or whatever, like, because it kind of forces me to, like, do Deeper some self-care. Yeah. 
like that I that I'm just not always good at doing. Yep. It's 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 weird enough when you go to working from home and you have to remind yourself that like you should change clothes once in a while. Um, because part of you is like, I don't see people. I can wear these pajamas for a week. Who cares? <laughs> yep. Um, the part of me is like, mm, maybe you should be a person. So yeah, it's 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 affected the industry in a bunch of ways, and mm-hmm. I think we're gonna be feeling it for a while and i wouldn't be surprised if we do hit some kind of wall like next year where suddenly we're like there's something on the docket and here's why yeah no that makes sense like we we we, we burned through all of our like backlog it's like need ideas and no one has been in the <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to personally attack you on the pajamas thing but also i have definitely uh been there if it weren't for streams so like streams streams and meetings no comment Totally wearing pajama pants right now. <laughs> I'm actually wearing jeans. Um, and I don't know why I put jeans on today, but I did, and I feel like a real human being. There we go. Um, so speaking of, actually, speaking of conventions, um, you and I met at PAX Unplugged last year. I don't know what, what a convention is anymore. Yes, it's, mm, see, that's the thing. And um you are very outgoing. I am much more extroverted than um, myself or some of the other people in our broad circle. Um, when we do have a vaccine and when the pandemic and when the reunion tour is over, do you plan on like hitting the convention scene harder that year and getting out more? I don't know. Or? Uh, probably. So I, I just moved to DC at the beginning of all this. Yeah. So chances are I'll be hitting up all the DC cons because I had planned to go to like Blurred Con this year, which mm-hmm. is the Black Nerd Con in DC. It's yep. amazing. My friend Dana goes every year and I'm always like, your pictures are amazing. I want to go with you. Um, so I was going to hit up Blurred Con. Uh, we actually were supposed to do a talk at Blurred Con um, on romance novels. Me and some of my friends, which is cool. Um, I like romance novels. You can be a nerd about a lot of things. You can. Uh <laughs> So yeah, probably all the local DC cons that I haven't been to. I think I think uh, Awesome Con is here, which I haven't been to. Mm. Um, but past that, just the typical, I think Onyx Path stuff like Pax U and Midwinter and the like. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I'd, I'd be happy to go to gaming cons outside of those, but I don't like spending a lot of money to go to cons because I do Dragon Con every year, and that's very pricey. Yeah. Um. So I pretty much only go like aside from Dragon Con and maybe local stuff where I can stay at my own house. I pretty much only do cons if I'm invited and at least get like a badge out of it. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like, like badge or a room or half a room or something. Yep. Like I just so yeah. Like if I was going like we have we have talked about before me possibly like working a table for y'all yeah. at like PAX or something because I don't really run games but I do like talking to people. Mm-hmm. So you want someone to stand at your table and talk to people for eight hours? Yes. Hello. That's me. <laughs> that is Dixie. I will I will sign people up for games and I will talk to people and I will organize things because I'm good at all those things. Um so yeah, it's one of those things where like I'll I'll go to every PAX if you give me a badge. <laughs> or something. Or if I buy me drinks, I don't know. All of the above. <laughs> Sorry. Um I was I have the the questions that were asked in chat also saved. I I just glanced at it and I started laughing at it. Um, oh no. So I'm going to ask one or two more questions, then I'll actually ask those questions. But um, sure. so much more recently, particularly with They Came From Beyond the Grave, you've begun, begun writing on lines as well. Yeah. Um, how has that transition been going from like editor to writer? Do you find that challenging? Um, and also, What's what influences are you pulling into um, that writing? Like who are who are your writing influences? Say and what are? 
Yeah, no, I get you. Um, I, I, I find that it was easier than I thought it was going to be. I was always kind of terrified of writing um, because I don't do plot well. Mm-hmm. It's one of the same reasons I don't do a lot of like running games. It's because I get stuck very easily and then I just kind of like the SX Machina everything and say, fuck <laughs> it. That's why I like games like Dread. Yeah. where a lot of it is like random mm-hmm. and honestly i'll probably be running 10 candles now that i've played it because it's so collaborative i love that game um and you don't have to do nearly as much as a as as mm-hmm. the person running it um you but do I, almost I, nothing actually <laughs> yeah i kind of noticed that i was like i was like man ian took the easy road on this one um but yeah so i like was always kind of terrified of it and then i wrote it's kind of it's a weird story so for cavaliers of mars mm-hmm. um Rose needed a few more locations, and I had a cool idea for a location. So I wrote it up, and I sent it to her, and I said, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. It was like 2,000 words, maybe. Maybe not, like, yeah, thereabouts. Maybe, like, less than that. And she was like, I love this. I'm going to pay you for it and put it in the book. And I was like, awesome. Thank you. And then she forgot <laughs> to put it in the book. So I got the PDF, and I looked for my section, and it wasn't there. And I was, oh. like, a little hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Rose, what happened to the thing I wrote you? And she was like, oh my god, I must have sent Cheney the wrong files and didn't even notice. Like, I, I thought I put it in there. And like, it, it happens. Yeah. We have we have left people's names out of books and we feel like an asshole every time, but it, it, it freaking happens. Isn't There's your like name 10... missing from one of the books? It's like, there's I don't just know. no editor. It's like edited by and it's just blank. Oh yeah, that, that happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes Cheney or the proofer forgets to like message me and be like who edited this or like i got a book the other day with the credit the credits page had my name on it but i wasn't the editor and i was like actually you should probably credit matt click for that because he edited that um but yeah so rose fun when she went to do uh which queen of the shadowed citadel which is the like adventure path mm-hmm. thing that came out for cavaliers she said hey if you can move your location from like the frozen north to this area then this will work and you can expand on it and write like eight thousand words or whatever like six six or eight thousand mm-hmm. and i was like i can totally do that sure and so i did and so i am one of two authors on that it's me and Steffi devan and that was my first writing credit nice um and it was it was very much like i had a really cool idea and i i, I never realized that RPG writing on some level is just throwing cool ideas at a wall and not having to write plot. <laughs> Unless you're writing a, 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 scenario. a scenario, obviously. But I didn't write the scenario portion of that. Steffi did. I just wrote the intro where I described the place. Um, so I got to write setting for nice. the first time. And also, like, there are a few characters in there and story hooks and things. Mm-hmm. The story hooks are also, I mean, it's a one-sentence story idea. Right. I, I can think of those all day. That's that's There's generators online for those for a reason. Um, so yeah, so I did that, and then I, uh, I think the next thing I worked on was, was it Pirates of Pugmire? I think it was Pirates of Pugmire. Okay. Yeah, so I wrote, and then Eddie was like, I'm gonna test you, so he wrote, he made me write character creation for that. Um, <laughs> which is actually really fun, because I got to write all, all the backstory on birds and lizards and their cultures. Yeah. Uh, but also did have to actually deal with some mechanics, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, locked me into that because now I'm doing character creation for Squeaks in the Deep, the Mice and Rats book. Um, I did the Underworlds for Scion Demigod, and I've written yep. a bunch of stuff for Beyond the Grave, and I'm writing more now. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so I've like, oh, and I wrote like a tiny bit on Trinity Assassins. Okay. Uh, oh, and I wrote 30K on Anima. Right. <laughs> right. The book I wrote 30,000 words for. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so yeah, so like I kind of fell backwards into it. And yes, yeah, about my 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 influences. And like mm-hmm. if if I were a novelist, I would say I, I I would have a list. Yeah. I would say it's 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 Jacqueline Carey, it's Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. it's this, that, and the other, whatever. Yeah, right, Ian? That big meeting, that, that two and a half hour meeting that we had on Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Um but I don't think that I have a lot of influence for RPG writing because I'm trying to write a centrally textbook. Mm. Like you, you don't want your voice to have too much weight when you're writing for RPGs. Yeah. Um. Even if you're writing the fiction, de- depending. Like I want someone to read the fiction in like a Chronicles book and think, "Wow, that fiction's creepy." Mm. Not think, "Wow, that sounds just like Rose Bailey," right. or just like you know, Shadow McGuire, who's in some more fiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So like I. Writing to spec is something that I love doing. Yeah, more than I like um, coming up with with my own ideas or trying to write things from whole cloth. Like I love it when someone hands me an outline and I just have to fill it out. That makes sense because um, yeah. it feels very very easy. Mm-hmm. And also writing like writing pug. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. Like you really don't have influences. You really almost shouldn't have influences because if you're going to go from writing something like Pugmire to writing a horror game yeah, or from writing Cavaliers, if you were writing like Jacqueline Brick has written on things like Cavaliers and also cult. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's a different voice. Mm-hmm. I can't use the same voice when I'm talking about, you know, Polly the parrot and pirates as I do when I'm writing Scion demiguides, you know, culturally sensitive underworlds that I want to like actually get right. Um, So it is more like writing papers to me than it is like writing. Sorry, the cat was getting fed. There were a lot of squeaking happening over here. Um, So like it's 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 more like writing a scholarly paper or even a newspaper article sometimes Hmm. than it is writing a novel. Because you're researching what came before, you're making sure you're getting your references right, you're yep. making sure the math works out, you're making sure you're giving right at you right information. Your developer comes back and says, actually, this information is wrong because of this, and you look it up. And like that's how it feels to me. It is much more like writing nonfiction than writing fiction. Yeah. Which is a super weird thing to think about, but that's that's exactly how it feels to me. That makes sense. So yeah, like I, I, I wish I could write like Jacqueline Carroll or Neil Gaiman. Um, or a host of other very talented people, mm-hmm. but that's just not what I do. Like yeah. I, I, I take someone's, you know, thousand word outline and I turn it into, you know, 10 to 30,000 words of other words. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, it is weird to think about, but yeah. Yeah. And no, when you, when you actually break it down, you're like, no, I'm basically writing a textbook, which, but, it, but, again, but, but it also shouldn't read like a textbook. On some level it should. Yeah. Um, role role playing games are textbooks. Mm-hmm. They are explaining to you how to do something, like it is a how to guide. Yeah. Um, and so on some level, that's so we're working on Exalted Essence right now. Yeah. Right, which is like our streamlined version of Exalted. Exalted as a setting is amazing. It's full of flowery language and big words and heroes and all the things that I freaking love. Yep. Like I love Exalted as a setting. I don't play the game. Yeah. And that's because there's too much other stuff. And also the language is so flowery that I feel like sometimes the meaning gets lost. Mm. And so one thing about Essence is I like told everybody, like, you can keep the flowery, like, power names. Because we still want the game to feel epic, right? But they have to, on some level, describe what the thing is. <laughs> and that was, like, my, my, my one edict on power names was, yeah. like, they have to be at least evocative. Mm-hmm. of what the thing does yeah because there are some exalted charm names that i'm like what the fuck is that 
Oh yeah. Like I have no idea what that could possibly do. Older editions of um thaumaturgy rituals in vampire had that problem. It'd be like Have you ever read a Mage the Ascension book? No, I actually haven't. <laughs> well, I've read um I read Book of the Fallen and I read I edited that. I know. <laughs> and then I read the um then a Fandy, the like second edition or revised edition Fandy. Because Infernalists. <laughs> yeah. But also like when you're writing to different audiences, so like if you're gonna write a textbook for fifth graders, you're not gonna write it like you're gonna write a textbook for college students, right? Right, yeah. Um, so writing Pugmire requires very different language than writing even like Scion or Trinity, which are still like simple language as far as they want to get their point across in a clear and concise way. Mm-hmm. But they're not written for like an all ages audience. Yeah. Whereas Pugmire is written for an all ages audience. And so there's a very big note in all the outlines that says like write plainly and simply explain mm-hmm. things in a clear manner, but never sound condescending. Yep. Because you want 30-year-olds to be able to read it as well as 12-year-olds. Yep. Makes sense. And so that's that's a hard balance to strike, too. Because sometimes you're writing, like, a cat sidebar that's like, Hey, in case you haven't played a role-playing game before, here's a tip for you. And, like, it feels a little toned down, but because it's in voice, mm-hmm. people don't read it as condescending. People right. read it as, that is an excitable character. Yes. Nice. Also, yes, thank you, Ian. It is the Book of Madness Revised. <laughs> Which is the Ian's, Ian's our encyclopedia, yes. not not me. Yes, for both World of Darkness as well as Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines trivia, and Trinity, and Trinity, and oh my god, Trinity, <laughs> and and you should have Ian on a special show where you just throw trivia at him and try to stump him. We th- I thought about that actually. Like that would be fun. <laughs> We'll do a, we'll do a um, kind of gaming trivia night, and we'll just invite people on to answer trivia about their own game lines. And Neil, to... Neil, Neil could do vampire and Scion, yeah. like no one's business. Yep, it's it's scary. And then we'll have Ian on to just fill in the gaps for everything else. <laughs> answer trivia about everything. Um, so I'm going to ask uh, one question that popped up in chat, and only because it's amusing. Is Ian? Um, is 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 that the question? I guess you're done now. <laughs> You asked your one question. <laughs> you you threw it away like a genie wish. I, I mean, that's that's okay. They're all scam anyway. No, but, go ahead. Uh, Puppy Lover asked, tell us the story of finding your missing twin later in life. <laughs> so I was at PAX Unplugged, and I turned around, and there was this kind of squirrely, skinny dude standing next to the books. And my very first thought, because he was, he, was, he was looking kind of squirrely. He was like, he was like touching, touching the <laughs> Chicago by Night manuscript. And uh, I think we had the cults manuscript there. We had like one of the other, no, no maybe yeah, no, you, had, or, you had the cults or manuscript. Let, let, let the streets run red. It was the cults manuscript, and the it hadn't shipped yet, but the um, hardback. Yeah, the hardback Chicago and yeah. yeah. And there was this kind of weird dude standing over there, stroking, stroking the books. And my job was to talk to people, and I was like, "Oh God, this guy is either going to be nice or he's going to be a really weird fan." Because you do occasionally get really weird fans. <laughs> yes, you do. That just explode on you about their character or about their home game mm-hmm. or something else for a while. Like, I've had people tell me, like, I have conversations with people at cons that I don't understand because they were talking about, like, Mage Revised. And I was like, I haven't looked at that, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went over and I was like, hi, how you doing? Can I help you with anything? And he's like, I mean, from Gana Gaming. 
And I was like, I know who they are, kind of. Because I had, like, seen a stream or two get advertised or, like, a Twitter reply or whatever. I was, like, vaguely familiar. Yeah. And I also knew that y'all were running a lot of the vampire content because I had seen that in the schedule. So I was like, cool, hi. Because if nothing else, the word Gehenna. I'm like, well, it's a vampire reference. I'll be a vampire fan. Um, so I like shook his hand and we chatted. And I think I, I think I pulled out one of the manuscripts to be like, did you see what we have? Because you're clearly a vampire fan. Because I was doing everybody. Um, and then he tried to steal one. <laughs> um, and then I just had a really, I had a lot of fun talking to everyone I met from Gehenna Gaming. So I was like, let's hang out. Like, we're going to go have drinks. Do you want to go have drinks with us? Yep. Um, because y'all were real chill. And so like, when I meet real chill fans... Or, like, you know, people in general. I'm always like, here's the bar we're at at night, usually. You know, come yep. come with us. Um, and you came? Yep. You brought somebody else once, I think? Um, I came. I invited friends of mine who were at the con, but not part yeah. of Gehenna Gaming. Because I was also supposed to meet up with them. Right, right, right. But that's, that's, that's also where you met, like, Adam Jury and, yep. like, Neil and, like, Talia and Meredith, I think. Uh, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, no, I met I met Rich. I'd already met Lisa because she was at the, um, the booth. The booth, yeah. And I know I, 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 know I met Neil and Eddie and there. Megan. Mm, yeah, Megan was there. Megan I met Fitzgerald, Megan. Danielle. Yep. Yeah. See, yeah. I, like, met, like, all my crew. Like, those are, like, my coworkers who I also, like, hang with and, like, have dinner with and stuff. Um, and then the more that me and Ian talked, we kept finding these weird parallels. Like, just weird parallels. Like, we're, like, oh, we're both theater kids. Oh, we were both this. Oh, we both, like, we have very similar haircuts, even though mine's long. Like, just little, little things. Like, like, like plays we both really liked mm -hmm. and stuff. And then, and then Midwinter happened, which is much more, like, small, intimate con. Yep. And so we, we got to talk a lot more in Midwinter than we did at PAX U. Yep. Um, and just kept finding more things. We went for karaoke, and we had a fucking blast with, like, a bunch of people. Um, and yeah, so he's my long-lost twin, and it's weird. Also, we both have very high foreheads. Yep. We're both all forehead. Um, and not as much chin as we'd like. If you're me. Because, <laughs> like, I still have much of a chin, so the minute I, like, pull my head back, it's like, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we just have, like, a lot of, like, weird-ass little things in common and, like, stuff that... I can't even remember all of them, but every you now and then one of today. us will say... <laughs> yeah, but every now and then one of us will, like, say something really stupid random and, like, food and drink in the Discord. And the other one's like, wait, you too? Yep. Yeah, so this is my twin. Um, we're also the same age. Yep. A uh, couple months. Yeah, like literally, like pretty close in age. Uh, so yeah. So no, Ian didn't have hair. Um, but we have the same haircut. Just mine's long. Yes, mine is just. Mine is a long version of his hair. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> like he has the lip ring, I have the nose ring. Like, it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that is it. It feels awesome because I've met all of you lovely people because of Ian coming to the booth. And I've met all the other fine gentlemen who work at Gehenna Gaming and all of your fine storytellers. And I've gotten to play a bunch of great games. Um, and it's it's awesome. Like, I, I love that Discord. And I love all of you. So, yeah, it's great. Thank you for asking that question. Is that why I yeah. came? Yeah. Uh, oh, Brian was asking that if he, she thought you had hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Brian and That's I... That's why I was clarifying. 
Brian and maybe I you did have hair. Also, actually met at Pax Unplugged. No, Ian pretty much looked just like that. At Pax, <laughs> my hair was actually shorter. That's you're really you're wearing a Gehenna gaming shirt. Yeah, and probably a hoodie or jacket. But yeah, when I walk up to any like. There's like a certain people at the table where if I walk up, I'm like, is this going to be weird or is this going to be normal person? <laughs> um, and like it happens. People are weird. It's okay. I'm fucking awkward with people sometimes. I'm not like judging you. Mm. It's just that I need to like, re- like decide if I'm going to be in for like a 20 minute them talking at me conversation. Yep. Or if I'm in for like a regular conversation where there's like some back and forth. Because yeah. um, I've had both several times. Yeah, no, I believe it. I no, well, I know from experience now, actually. <laughs> but I've also been in retail for years and years and years. So, yeah. like, literally sitting there and being like, uh-huh, totally. Mm-hmm. is not something that I'm bad at. I like, was the overnight manager at a Walmart. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> that will prepare you for any con experience, almost. Let me go check on that for you. The Sephora that I worked at was in a casino, so people could actually bring alcohol into my store. Oh, oh, Lord. So, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I used to work at Mohegan Sun. So yeah, yeah, that was that was fun, working with incredibly high priced retail items yeah. while uh, very drunk people come into your store and ask you to put eyeliner on them and then do this the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't put eyeliner on you. I'm going to put your eye out. That's amazing. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. All right. We're gonna. I'm gonna jump back into the, some of the questions I had. So. This is like two hours, right? We're going to like ten. An hour and a half, yeah. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You, have, you, you have so many questions. We only covered like five of them. No, we're actually we're actually more than halfway. Oh, look at us. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk more about like so you obviously you've edited pros and you've edited RPGs, edited other items that you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not, but thank you. I did say cat. <laughs> All I heard was you. <laughs> Like, you really need to make up your mind. And I was like, <laughs> I'm okay. I feel like that would be very awkward. <laughs> also, you're a little bony. Yes, yes, I am. Um, what, what what would you say is, like, the biggest difference between editing prose and editing or TTRPG? Um, I don't care as much if prose is clear. Mm. As long as the author's intent gets across, it can be ridley and weird and you know poetic on some level mm-hmm. um i i only care about clarity for certain things like i saw um there was a, a, a piece of fiction in a book that i liked the fiction it was written by a non-binary person and they had made the main character non-binary mm-hmm. but then the non-binary person was fighting a group of people and so it was they, 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 And I was like, someone needs to have a pronoun or you need to say the group or the attackers or the, 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 the rogues every time. Like, cause I don't know who's doing what. And I'm so confused. Um, which maybe in another 10 years or so, that'll be totally normal. And it won't be weird to us. And we'll have like a different word for like singular they versus everybody. They, I don't know. Yeah. But as of right now, it is very, very confusing and jarring to read a piece of fiction mm-hmm. where everyone is they. Yeah. With Without proper names. If they also have proper names, that's fine because you can clarify occasionally who's speaking. Yep. And as long as you can clarify occasionally, you're usually all right. 
But like, there was no clarification because it was like a shadowy figure fighting shadowy figures. And I was like, mm, it's confusing. So yeah, there are like some times when I think clarity is important in, in, in prose. Yeah. But generally, you can be a little bit less clear. Whereas with a rule, if it doesn't make sense as written, or if it could have like three interpretations as written, you've got to clarify that. Because like there, there have been times I've been reading a, a rule when I'm editing and gone like, I don't know which person this applies to, or I don't know if this means in feet or yards, or I don't know if this means, you know, seen as in the length of time in a role-playing game or seen as in some, something, you know, it's just, just lots of things that can be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I leave a lot of notes for my developers. If I, if, if I truly don't understand something, I will just leave a comment that says, like, I read this three ways and here's how I read it. So please revise. If I can tell what they mean, and it, I, I just think it'd be confusing for somebody else, then I'll rewrite it. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Brian said something wasn't okay. I'm afraid that I said something wrong, and now I don't know, and I won't know until Brian says anything because I have anxiety. So, Brian, what Clarify, wasn't okay? Clarify, Brian. <laughs> Clarify. <laughs> Speaking of clarity, I have anxiety, so I like clarity. <laughs> yes, clarity is, clarity is nice, particularly. Like, in- many of my college issues... You, you said that okay, and I don't know what wasn't okay. <laughs> I, I think... Did I do something wrong? I don't know. <laughs> We're waiting. We're waiting, Anyway. Brian. We're anyway. waiting, Brian. <laughs> my, my biggest issue in college was when a teacher gave me, like, a vague assignment. Yeah. And I was like, then how do I get 100? Because I was that kid. I, I, I had a... F- oh, you're yelling at Ian. Yell at Ian all you want. Um, <laughs> that Ian, not this Ian. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ian, the Onyx Pathian. Although this Ian also works for the Onyx Path sometimes, so who knows? Um, but yeah, like, I, I had a 4 GPA in college. So, like, if you tell me to do a project and don't tell me what you want on it so I know how to win, mm-hmm. that's a problem for me. Yeah. That's probably part of why I edit, because <laughs> I yes. like clarity. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like, when uh, when Eddie asked me to write the anima chapter for anima, or, like, the, the, the setting chapter... Mm-hmm. I was very much like, I thirty k is a lot. That's that's a novella, yeah. Um, and the section literally was just like describe the peoples of Cynestia and the continent. And I was like, if you give me a real outline for this section, I will write thirty k. But you've got to break it down for me, man. Yeah. I was like, if you don't break it down for me in at least like two k chunks, I will have no idea what to do, and I will just stare at a word document until I cry. Because I won't know where to start. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling. And so, yeah, and so, like, I, I still strongly believe that a lot of people who start working for Onyx Pass should really have like Dawkins or uh, Eddie as their first developer, because mm-hmm. man, those guys write through outlines, or so I thought, until I got an outline from Hiromi Koda, mm. and their outline for Tales of Depravity, which is a very small supplement for the Game Beyond the Grave, has footnotes. Oh, and I am so pleased <laughs> by the existence of footnotes in an outline. That's amazing. It's got footnotes. Like, he, he, sorry, they used the footnote tool. Hiromi literally used the footnote tool in Word to put footnotes on the outline, and I am so happy. <laughs> that's great. Anyway, yeah. No, that's great. Um, So, did, 
I think this is the last. This is the last question I have about editing um, for now. Um, That's okay. If you know, editing is very underappreciated, I think, because people are like, people tend to be like, oh, blah blah blah, wrote this, and I'm like, but it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't edited. And also, there's art, and also layout, and also other people worked on these books. Um, so I get a little salty about that personally. But, um so but i also and know, yet and yet here you are writing and not editing or doing one of the other unsung jobs i'm not a very good editor <laughs> that's okay <laughs> that's why i asked that's why i asked my partner to write all my stuff <laughs> but um it, i know that it's also one of the ones that it's harder to like know how to get into because like art you can send art with writing you send a writing sample how uh, how would one go about getting into editing in the tabletop gaming industry Honestly, it's kind of sad right now, but it really is about meeting people. Yeah. Um, a lot of the RPG industry is very insular, and we all know each other. Mm -hmm. And at this point, most of us know like 12 to 20 editors in the RPG industry. And so we just keep poking the same people and being like, hey, you edit. Yeah. Edit my stuff. <laughs> um, that So like, honestly, it's still kind of a weird, archaic thing. And that the best way to really get into like lots of companies is to go and like give your card to people at trade shows which seems so outdated, but it's gotten me jobs several times. Um, or just knowing people. I mean, yeah. I've had people at Onyx Path, you know, refer me to other companies. Mm -hmm. I've had friends from other companies go like, hey, Dixie edits, so I should hire her. Mm -hmm. um, there are occasionally calls that people put out on their websites, but mm -hmm. it's actually really not common. Mm -hmm. I do recommend always finding a company's website and emailing them. Um, for for instance, if you email the Onyx Path about editing, like even if you don't email me directly, if you email like Rich on our contact us form or whatever, it'll get forwarded to me. Yeah. Because we're only eight people. So mm -hmm. somebody will go like, oh, editing, forward, you know. <laughs> um, so that's the best way to do it for us yeah. is just to like get in contact with us. If I don't get back to you right away, that's because I'm swamped all the time mm -hmm. and because I might have enough people, but I keep the names of every editor that I'm sent in a spreadsheet. So when I do need people down the road, I, I might contact you. So it might be two weeks and it might be a year. Yeah. But I'll probably at some point need an editor mm -hmm. and be like, hey, take this editing test. And the editing test I send out is like 600 words. It's 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 paragraphs from a few different books um, that I just put errors in on purpose. That makes sense. And then one of them, I just took the pre-edited text from before I edited it because it, it was it was a little rough. And just stuck the paragraph in there. Like, here's a rough paragraph. What do you do with this? <laughs> so, yeah, all I'm looking for is, like, some really simple stuff. Um, I I think it's mostly spelling and grammar errors. And then if you if you have the inside skinny on the editing test, there is at least one math error in a D&D stat that I put in there on purpose to see if you caught it or double-checked. Because 30% of my work is Googling. Yeah. Like, totally. Like, yeah. I... I Google stuff all day, especially when it comes to like Scion or some of the other like history focused books. I am constantly Googling, even actually, as, as Ian said, like that, that's the other Ian, sorry. Um, he created the the White Wolf Wiki. If you knew how often those of us that work for Onyx Path use the White Wolf Wiki, you'd probably laugh. Um, but I used it to check a lot of canon stuff when I'm working on things like Beckett's Jihad Diary. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know. This was I, in a first edition book. I'm not Matthew Dawkins. Ago. I don't have some like weird eidetic memory when it comes to vampire only. Um, so yeah, so like 
I, I Google things constantly. So mm-hmm. like in the editing test I sent out, there's also an actual place, I think, that I spelled wrong. Just to see if people would actually look it up, like take that extra step to be like, is that a real place or is that a real person or are those dates correct? Because that's the stuff I do all day. Yeah. And yes, that has left us some things becoming accidentally canon that people didn't like check them. <laughs> so we end up with weird canon stuff. Oops, or canon now. Here's my here's my writer tip. Don't put in jokes in that your developer might not get. Um Mm-hmm. If your developer is Matthew Dawkins, for instance, he's British. They don't have the same things we do yeah. as far as like chains and commercials and stuff. So if you put a when you're here, your family joke into a Giovanni chapter, he doesn't get that it's an Olive Garden reference. <laughs> or placeholder names like the Pact of Neil, Neil's least favorite thing that's in any book. Because some writer thought it would be cute and nobody caught it. I always caution my authors against using... So sometimes we use our own names for Mm. stuff, like examples. And there's an interesting divide on that where a lot of the writers are like, yeah, we do it because we feel like we're calling ourselves out and we don't want to like call random names out instead. And I'm like, okay, so I get that. Yeah. But also, if you all do it, like if you all do it, Mm -hmm. then when I was reading the Exalted Essence drafts recently, there were three different instances of Monica being three different characters and doing three different things because everybody was inserting Monica, our developer. Monica Specka. Everybody was putting her in the book. <laughs> and it was like, we cannot have three different example Monicas who were all different people. Like, put John. Yeah. Put, put anything in there anything. that isn't Monica. Because, yeah, sure, it's cute. But also, like, they think they're calling themselves out, but I feel like to other people it looks self-aggrandizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel Which, like a fan reading it is like, oh, of course they put the, all they put themselves in the. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like, if you're gonna put names in, I like to adjust them slightly. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were gonna put Neil in a book, I would do an alternate spelling of Neil. Yeah. For for instance, um, you, Mark, and Rick are all in an upcoming V five book under pseudonyms. Like, there is an Ian, there is a Muller. They're not the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, I think. I think I changed Mark's name to something very close. And I think Rick ended up becoming Richard Whelan. <laughs> but there's but, also but, an Emerson. But you're all in the book. But the streets run right. Which is your middle name. It is. So yeah, I like put all your names in there, but like as side characters, yeah. as like like thralls and ghouls and stuff, not mm-hmm. as like the actual vampires I was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is for ch- children of the blood. Nice. Okay. And I did all of it, like I said, like Mark is in one place and Anderson is in another, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But like all your names made it in in different ways. <laughs> That's great. Um, also, Eduardo and Eloisa from the Discord are in there. Uh, Rosenrot and yep. whatever Eduardo's name was in there, I forgot. Later. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember names very well when people use different handles. Yeah, no, but I know. they're also both in there, and I just looked up. Um, yes, Seder. Yeah. and I, I, I just looked up typical um, Brazilian last names to change their last names. Yeah, there you go. So they wouldn't get like their last names in the book and make it be like their character. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Part of us just because when you're putting a character name down and you have to name like 58 characters in one section, it's nice to just pull people you know and change their last names or pull their last it's names and change come, their first names. It's hard to come up with names sometimes. Like, like if you write a vampire, 
you're also writing their sire if they don't have a canon sire you're writing like a ghoul a contact maybe two touchstones like yeah you're not just writing a vampire you're writing like five characters yeah exactly and so just coming up with names it's like fine uh i can't name them all you know ellen or whatever like whatever boring name gets stuck in my head mary ellen two ellen three (laughs) i mean maybe for our next they came from game that would actually make some sense yeah that yeah yeah Oh, um, so beyond, uh, your work as a writer and editor and line developer, you are also an advocate. Not technically a line developer, in-house developer. In-house developer. Like all of my lines have different developers and Exalted has two developers as well. So I don't want to like unsing their phrases. Fair point. Um, you're also an advocate for consent and safety mechanics in gaming. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how that's kind of come more into the spotlight recently and why that's important. Yeah, well, um, half the time when it comes into the spotlight it's because somebody's yelling about it and they're stupid. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about consent forms and consent in gaming and all that stuff, whatever you want to call it. What, what, whether you just do check-ins with your players, whether you actually give them a form to fill out, whether you just give them like a content warning and say like, hey, this game's going to have eh. Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I've had so many people, and including in the panels we did at Save Against Fear this past weekend, who said that it made their game better because they were actually holding back. Yeah. Like, they were afraid of offending their players, especially mm-hmm. if you're playing with strangers. Like, if I'm playing with strangers, I don't know what I can talk about. Yep. I don't know if I can mention suicide or if I can mention blood or if I can mention teeth or if I can mention spiders. I don't know. So I tend to edit very heavily when talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. But if you have this stranger sign a form that says, no, I'm totally cool with blood and I'm totally cool with suicide. Not really cool with suicide. No one does. But you know what I mean. Yep. As, as as fictional content. Yes. Um, or I'm totally cool with this or whatever. Then you can be like, oh, I can like dial this up to 11. Yep. Um, if, if you're not doing that, you have a couple of options. Either you're going to, you know just take your game down several levels and it's going to be boring because you're trying not to hit anything offensive. Let's, let's be honest. If you're playing like vampire or cult or something, that's really hard. Um, Or, or you might hurt people. (laughs) And if you don't care about hurting people, that bothers me too. (laughs) Cause like if I have a game, like for, for, I, I am a survivor of, of suicide attempts. Mm. Like I, I will be very open about that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm super open about that. And like, I don't mind it in my fiction, mm. right? I played like Doki Doki Lit Club. I played other games. People have killed themselves. Like they're, they're totally fine. Um, but if I have a player and I don't know them and their, you know, sibling passed away from that last week. Yeah. You don't want to mention that. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that we talked about a little bit in our panels this past weekend about like ongoing consent. Yes. And like checking in every week if you're doing like a long running game, mm-hmm. because you might think you're your player's best friend, but if they were assaulted last Wednesday and haven't told anybody, yep. you don't know that. And I feel like there there are people that want to yell about it being like this restrictive thing. And the fact is, none of us SJW types are ever going to come into your house and take your dice away <laughs> because I can't do that. <laughs> Although some of you I'd like to. Yes. But I can't do that. Um, but like, I, I, I can't police your home games. I just can't. Yeah. But if those are your friends, you should care about their feelings. Right. 
And if they all have said up front to you, never need a consent form, throw anything at me, whatever, cool, great, yep. that's fine. They said that to you. Mm-hmm. But if you ever hit something in your game and they have to walk away from the table, understand that's for a reason. Yeah. And so like that's that's really all it comes down to to me is like basic empathy. Like I don't personally like to play romance in games with other people. Right. Like my character might have a husband that she never mentions mm-hmm. or that she, you know, hangs out with in downtime or she might have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. but my character doesn't want to date your character. Yep. And that's because I'm super awkward about romance and sex stuff with other people. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I am, I am monogamous. Don't care if you're not, that's fine too. Once again, yep. but I am. And so I feel weird flirting with people who aren't my boyfriend. Yep. That's a personal thing. It makes me awkward. It makes me have less fun. Yep. That's why I very rarely play games like monster hearts. And if I do play Monster Hearts, I'll probably play a canonically ace character. Mm-hmm. So y'all don't get to flirt with me. <laughs> and that makes me happy. And that makes y'all happy because I'm not going to be awkward about your game. So yeah, like really, it, it, it makes the whole play experience better. And it makes everyone at the table have more fun. And like, that's, that's great. That's absolutely great. And it's so funny because I can tolerate so much stuff in fiction that I watch if it's not happening to me. Yeah. Like literally, I have almost no triggers when it comes to fiction like whether it's a book or whether it's a tv show fewer actually in books than tv shows because tv shows show the thing sometimes it's a little much for me also i have i have sound issues because i have misophonia so like like i i'm a sympathy puker if i hear someone puke i tend to get pukey yeah and so like that's actually that's the thing that turned me off from hostile (laughs) there's a scene where he pukes and I was like, no, I can't handle this. Oh, I have to look I'm going to drop our content warning for a second so I can tell my hostile story. <laughs> and it's also spoilers for the movie. Um, so I hope no one cares. I but, mean, it's a it's not a good movie. No, it's not. Um, so I watched it right around the holidays. Like like Christmas? Yep. That's not when you watch Hostel. I mean, I always I watch horror movies 24-7. Okay, fine. All right. Go for it. Um, well, I'm going to go watch Muppet Christmas Carol. And you can- I mean, I, I usually also watch Muppet Christmas Carol. Movie. do you watch white christmas uh yes okay still my twin good <laughs> those are my two those are my two favorite christmas those movies. are my two favorite christmas movies except i don't like it's a wonderful life i don't like it's a wonderful life i also don't like christmas story neither do i and i also fast forward through the one love song and Mother christmas carol uh so do i <laughs> twin 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 although i think we discovered that uh you like a movie that I don't like. I'm sure I like lots of movies day, that you don't which like. Which was Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, okay. So Rocky, this is that content warning part. We're going to talk about it for a second. Yeah. Rocky is um, more of a nostalgia thing for me at this point. Yeah. So Rocky is when I started going to things outside of um, my school, really, mm-hmm. because they didn't care how old you were when we went to Rocky and yeah. Raleigh. Uh, so I started going to the Rialto uh, for Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was 17 with my boyfriend and his host family, because he was German, mm-hmm. and their friends. And we had a blast. And it was where I met my first like adult guests and adult punk kids yeah. and stuff in the area, because I was 17 and I wasn't out of school yet. Maybe I was 16. I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we started going, and like my mom did it when she was younger, so she was like permission to go have fun. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't go for a long, long, long time. 
And now I go like once in a while just for the nostalgia trip and like yelling things at the screen and dressing up and being silly. Um, I got to reprise my role because I was on cast for a while um, Mm -hmm. as Columbia. So I got to reprise my role like five years ago, six years ago now, uh, which was fun. And so, yeah, it's just like a, a nostalgia thing at this point. Like there, there are lots of things that when I look back at them, I don't actually like them all that much, but they're yeah. nostalgia things and I love them. I do think the music is catchy as fuck. And I do love a bad horror movie, which yeah. it really is kind of like one of the worst horror movies. And Tim Curry. See, Tim Curry is the best part about it. Oh, yeah. Yes, 5,000% Tim Curry is the best part about it, but he's in it a lot, and so yes. it's pleasing. Anyway, what's your hostel story since you dropped the content warning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so it was around the holidays, so Christmas time, um, and I was watching it in my apartment in college, and I was drinking eggnog. Okay, as, as you do. And it got to the scene where cut the girl's dangling eye off. Yeah, that was a little gross for me, but not nearly as bad as the as the vomit. But yes, but the pus that came out was the exact. Oh, it same looks like eggnog. It was the exact same color, and I was like, "Hmm, okay." <laughs> oh no! It didn't like it didn't gross me out, but I was just kind of like, mm, "Hmm, okay." Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> so that's yeah, yeah, which I believe yeah, is no. the scene he throws up in. No, no. Um, he actually. So I have an overactive imagination. I will never forget this. Uh, he actually throws up when he's got the ball gag in. Oh no! Um, which made right. it worse yeah. because I imagined the sensation of when you puke and have to swallow it. Yeah. And I imagined that just for like an actual puke, like a like a food poisoning puke. And I was like, mm 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 nope. Um, and then I put my head down because usually if like I. I had a point in a hard movie that I'm not totally okay with. I can kind of like, eh, for a second and then look back and I'm fine. Yeah. But because the sound was bothering me, I had to mute it and look away and then kind of like glance to see if it was done. Yep. And then finally it was. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. There's like 20 minutes left in this movie. I'm going to finish it. But like, I, I couldn't watch that part. Like anyone yeah. puking in a movie though. Like it can be like a, a, a frat movie mm-hmm. where someone like pukes at a party and I'm still like, ooh, 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 gross. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, I am one of those people who will take care of all of her friends while they're drunk. Like, the minute someone around me is too drunk, I become instantly sober, no matter how drunk I am, and I become mom friend. Yep. But if they have to puke, I'm like, I'll wait outside. <laughs> yeah, on your own. Please let me know if you need anything. <laughs> let me get you some water. Yep. And I'll be right back. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, yes, I also enjoy Die Hard and Gremlins as fantastic Christmas movies. <laughs> to chat. <laughs> nice they are um so you and i have talked about this and i know you mm-hmm. were moderating the consent panel at uh safecon mm-hmm. and then consent and safety tools yes and then i we we actually talked a lot about consent in the horror panel that mark rick and um uh, bran and i did because yeah that's a big part of like how do you it was just funny because it was games. to the point where i was like can i ask you a horror question because you're just going over all the stuff we talked about i know and i was uh, we were talking about it i was like they just talked about this in the consent panel because i watched it we and we had notes and i was like i'm just gonna cut this section out and throw it away <laughs> and just reference <laughs> that panel and tell people to go watch it um but one of the things that i wanted to bring up on this one was specifically so when you are dealing with people who are being dumb and like no consent's dumb it's just restricting me how do you how how do you sway them to be like uh, to understand like okay no there is a place for this in my table um there are some people that you can yeah 
And those people aren't looking at my table. Like, honestly. Um, even if you grudgingly fill it out, even if you fill out everything's fine. Like, I would ever somebody hand me a consent form that literally has nothing checked off because at the top it says everything's fine in all caps. Yeah, because you at least that's, looked at it. That's something. Yeah. That's something. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people... I think that we, 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 we did talk about this past weekend, so please go watch those panels if yeah. you're interested in more on this topic, is that people do see it as restrictive rather than as a tool for how to best scare your players without, like, without horror, mm-hmm. like, being horrible to them. Yeah. Because as, as, as we, we said on, on, on that panel, there is a difference between being horrible and being horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be horrible to your players. Right. Like, that's mean. Like, if, if, if they literally lost a friend to suicide last week, you don't want to open your game with that. Like, can't the person have died in a different way? Like, you can still have a dead person because they didn't say no dead people. Right. And, like, that's that's not that hard. And, like, if me and two other players say that bugs are a big thing for us, but everybody's cool with body horror, do you know how gross you can get with body horror? And, yeah, there is a point. It's like somebody opened the Gehenna gaming checklist. Mm-hmm. And they checked every single thing is red. Yep. You, you would have trouble running a horror game. We, we've had issues before where people check off uh, loss of player agency in, in a vampire game. And I'm like, so let me talk to you about this discipline they have called Dominate. Right. And like, I, <laughs> I, I have clarifications on a lot of mine. Yes. Just like, I'm okay with it if we talk about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it if I don't permanently harm my character. Yep. I'm okay with it if I don't permanently harm one of my coterie mates. Mm-hmm. I I can live with my character doing something terrible and getting like a stain, but I don't want to kill my friend. Right. Like that's 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 a hard no for me. Mm-hmm. But if you want to dominate me so that like I deliver a message for you that sets something in motion, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like go for it. Um, and so I always try to clarify those things. Like mm-hmm. if lots of player agency is a prop like I always always do mark that as red mm-hmm. because to me as a woman that often means sex stuff. Yeah. And I don't want anything like that to happen. I I know you wouldn't clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like there are enough people out there who would. Mm-hmm. If they say loss of player agency, I'm like no, you can't assault my character. Right. Um now if if once again if it's I got in your head and you're delivering a message for me on it. Yeah. Can yeah, yeah, do. Like, but yeah, that's usually what the conversation is like there are Ventrue, and they have Dominate, and Dominate mm-hmm. allows them to make you do a thing like, hey, deliver this message, or bark like a dog, or, you know, like, you use it in different ways, and, like, we walk them through it, and then typically people are like, yep, that's fine, I'm fine with that, versus, nope, I definitely just remove that from your game entirely. Like, never had that happen. Um, the thing, I think the things that startle people most from on ours is that we include, we include every topic that could potentially come up in any game. Yeah. So there's... I linked your sheet and the uh, Monty Cook sheet when we did our safety tools panel. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple people in the chat who were like, this Gehenna gaming one is great. Like, it's like four pages. And I was like, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, there were like therapy professionals that were very happy with, with, yeah. with your sheet because it did cover so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it that, does come with it comes with a warning. It's like, yes, we include transphobia and sexual assault on here because we want to know it. we want we just, because it's useful for us to have that information, even if it's not going to come up in the game. Because if another player starts entertaining it as the 
GM, we can stop the game. Then. That's another use for the tools that I don't think we even mentioned during either of our panels. Is that mm-hmm. If another player does something that you know for a fact it's off the table, I can, I can hopefully you can stop, stop it, it a lot faster. A problem. Exactly. Yeah, because a, a lot of players in like convention games especially maybe aren't comfortable X-carding. Because yeah. like opting out or saying no in the middle of a scene that involves four strangers could be really hard yep. for people. So there's a social stigma. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, like, where is this? What, what was even the question? We're like talking so much about this. Like, how, how do you how do you sway someone who is right, right, right. resistant to the idea of safety tools or consent to be to understand why it has a place at the table? Really, I I, I do think it makes your game more fun. Yeah, because like, let's be honest. If you really wanted, you could say that spiders were a yellow or a red just because you think they're boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and then you're going to get body horror instead which you think is terrifying Yes, or you're going to get psychological horror which is terrifying mm-hmm. and so like you're just telling the GM what you want to see in the game we, we specifically have a line for that what would you definitely want to see in this yeah. game <laughs> we, that's but, like, we put it on that's, but like that's that's what the whole cheat is though Yeah, saying what do you exactly. want to see in this game mm-hmm. and there may be a game that literally just maybe super isn't for you yep and that's fine. Like I like if I I would say if you're phobic about even the description of blood, you probably shouldn't play vampire. Probably not. If you're phobic about you know, I don't know the dark, maybe you shouldn't play some games. Mm-hmm. Like etc. Ten candles. Yep. If like if like hearing the world is dark scares you, that the game isn't for you, mm-hmm. and that's fine because there are nine hundred ninety nine thousand other games out there that are for you. Um, and I think it can sometimes make anything more fun. It can make the My Little Pony game more fun. Like, it can make Vampire more fun. It can make Cult more fun, sure. But mm-hmm. also, like, if we're playing They Came From Beyond the Grave, which is a humor game at its heart, and I say I'm not okay with something, mm-hmm. and that causes Ian to think of something else that actually is creepy to me, then fucking great. Yep. Like, that's great. There, like I said, there, there are very, very few things that will actually restrict you on. Like, you probably can't play Wraith if you can't deal with ghosts. And you probably can't play Geist if you can't deal with ghosts because your character has a ghost friend. Um, and that's fine. If you don't want to play those games, I'm not going to make you. But also, like, most games can still be for you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can't play Geist? We have 8,000 other Chronicles games. Right. <laughs> like, Let's try. Like, you don't have to use Idiot. the spirit rules in any of them. You can just leave spirits out your game. Exactly. And then just have mortal, like, like... I thought the end about this. I'm not easily scared by fiction in general. Yeah. The only thing that really scares me in real life are things like serial killers uh, because they're real. Yep. And I'm not a supernatural person. Um, so like I'm not scared of vampires. I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm not scared of demons or whatever. Like I'm not scared of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to actually scare me, you need to like jump out of the woods at me wielding a machete. Um, <laughs> and so like, I'm not going to get scared in tabletop games for the most part. I, I love the atmosphere and then I love beings like vaguely creeped out, mm-hmm. but I am very, very difficult to scare. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf act, is act, terrifying. Act, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Um, but yeah, so like because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who's like do anything at a table, yep. but I also often, a lot of people don't think of the things that are their triggers right away. Mm-hmm. Like I have a problem, like I have had dental issues in my life and I've got a little bit of a phobia about the dentist. And so I am phobic about specifically damage happening to teeth yes not and my teeth if i knock someone else's teeth out don't care 
but don't do it to me in a game. Mm-hmm. And it's such a specific thing that I never think of until it comes up. Right. And then you're like, and then I'm like, Oh, Oh God, yeah. I'm super upset right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mine, mine is, uh, like needles under fingernails or mm-hmm. in eyes. I'm like, mm, mm, Nope. I, as, as I said, during some of the panels, I, I recently accidentally stepped on somebody's buttons, which was that I, I did an eye trauma thing in a vampire game. Yep. My, my, my character has touch of oblivion yes. where she can take, take, she can hurt people by touching them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're dealing with Jason Newberry, who, if you don't know, is a real asshole. Um, like, like actually a serial killer. Um, and he was not using Dominate on us, but a lot, of, a lot of Dominate towers require you to have eye contact. Mm-hmm. So I sat on the ground without looking at him and I took his eyes. And the storyteller was like, oh, they like shrivel up like raisins. They're super creepy. Da, da, da. And the other character who was in the scene, our, our Malkavian, dropped out of character for a minute and was like, oh, my God, I've got a problem with eye stuff. And to to our credit, me and the storyteller both went like, so, so sorry, so sorry. I, I, I didn't do that if, if that's the case. Like, we can take that back. We can mm-hmm. undo that. I'll never mention it again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the player in this question said, no, it's fine. You're describing it. It's not a huge deal. Like, we can go on with just the scene. But I made a mental note now, and I will never, ever do that in the future because I don't want to bother him. Yeah. Like, I, even even if he's okay with it in character, I feel bad about it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's just not, it's not nice to gross people out when that's not the point of the game. Sometimes that humor is fine. Sometimes that kind of description is fine. Yeah. But, like, sometimes it's not. Exactly. Oh, sorry. I got thinking about like needles. Anyway, and see, does it bother? So when something is such an obvious special effect to me, because I find effects makeup so cool. Yeah, I get so obsessed with thinking like, what did they use for the eyes? That CGI mm-hmm. instead of like prop eyes? That a real needle? Is it a prop needle? Yep. Is the person wearing like a glass contact lens when they're actually like putting a needle on their eye, but like just retractable? And like I start thinking about that stuff so hard that I can't be scared anymore. And that's that's always been my like kind of trick for horror movies and for horror scenes is to like imagine the special effects that go into it. Yeah. And then I get so excited about special effects. And I'm just like, how they make that? That's so cool. What is that even? Like I um I I recently watched The Handmaid's Tale, which I brought up in a couple of panels now, but whatever. I I recently binged The Handmaid's Tale, which I loved. Um, not because it's a role model, because it's terrifying, but yes. it's a great like rebellion story mm-hmm. um, and a great dystopian future story. And people are like, how can you watch that during all this shit right now? And I'm like, well, first of all, it gives me some hope because it's like, mm-hmm. even though everything is the worst it could possibly be, there are people yeah. fighting back. But number two is that if a scene ever got too awkward for me or too much for me, I just imagine the craft services table that's six feet off camera full of bagels and like coffee and, and cream cheese. And there's like some PA standing there, like drinking a cup of coffee while they're filming this incredibly uncomfortable scene. Yep. And then I'm not in that like headspace anymore of being like horrified. Like I get, I, I, I get horrified to a point And then if it goes too hard, I'm just like craft services. Yeah. There's definitely a table full of food right there. (laughs) Literally. Literally. It's yeah, it's it's helpful to be able to pull yourself out of it. I think Mm -hmm. that's uh that that's something I can do do really well as a GM, better than a player too. As a GM, I'm thinking about like what I'm going to be doing next. So I can describe something that might actually be like unnerving or gross me out. And I'm that doesn't even phase me. Mm-hmm. But 
meeting a cherry sorry no you're fine you're fine um we're actually nearing the end of our interview so i have one more question okay. and then i'm gonna jump into a what i've been starting doing recently with lightning rounds which is a couple quick short questions that you can answer with the first thing that comes to mind yeah that i did not give you ahead of time <laughs> oh no and i'm totally okay if we're like a little over That's oh yeah fine. no no it's 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 all good um yeah but i wouldn't use that i'm okay because i'm the guest here and I am important. You also said it earlier. <laughs> yeah, but I'm more okay now because I've noticed it seven minutes after. It is. Um, Let me be nice. God, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, what projects are you working on currently? Oh, my gosh. Uh, editing, I've got a whole slate of stuff. I'm not even going to talk about like, what I'm specifically doing because mm -hmm. it's not important. Um, but for writing... Uh, I have my red lines back for trying to continue anima. So I need to implement those, uh, I think, within about four weeks. Nice. Um, I need to finish implementing my red lines for Squeaks in the Deep, which is the next Pugmire book. Um, it's about the underneath, which is where the rats and mice live. It's our first kind of like mega dungeon. Awesome. For Pugmire. So it's going to be really cool. Um, for those of you who are understanding the like underdark references, mice and rats are not villains. They are marginalized people and they are very misunderstood. Uh, so they only inhabit a couple of levels of the underneath and then monsters are farther down. So that's a whole thing. Also, we're pretty sure it connects Pugmire and Mal, uh, which is super cool. I'm also working on, um, two that came from Beyond the Grave books. Uh, I'm working on Tales of Depravity, which is the adventure book. So I'm writing a scenario for that. Awesome. It's my first scenario, so I'm terrified the plot's going to be terrible, but at least I'll have red lines to sort that out. Um, I'm also writing the fiction for They Came From Camp Murder Lake, which is our slasher yes. uh, 80s supplement that they came from Beyond the Grave. Awesome. And I think... Oh, and I just said I'd work on uh, the thing we announced at our Onyx Path panel that I won't mention because it's funnier if you try to figure out what we announced at our Onyx Path panel. I didn't watch it. Yeah. Oh, you know, okay, so we... I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I will say it here because it's fun. So we announced a book, mm -hmm. which is our next They Came From book, which is called They Came From Classified. And a lot of people didn't understand that we had actually announced something. <laughs> so yeah, They Came From Classified Stamp. Awesome. I'm very excited. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of that. Uh, the most recent editing that I did outside of Onyx Path was actually uh, Cyberpunk Red. Oh, nice. Awesome. Which is coming out the same day as the, uh, the video, game. video game I found out. Yes. Which It'll is be out exciting. November 17th. I didn't do a lot for it. So it is very much like there's three other editors that did a whole lot for it. And mm -hmm. then like I'm listed last like and Dixie Cochran because I like picked up some supplemental stuff. Cool. But I'm super excited because I got to edit some fiction that Johnny Silverhand is in, which means that by two degrees, I have edited Keanu Reeves. <laughs> what? He plays Johnny Silverhand. No, nope. That's, that's entirely valid. <laughs> that's awesome. Let me have my moment. I have edited Keanu Reeves. Fantastic. Okay. Lightning round. I actually know the answers of one. Probably. Um, let's see. Uh, favorite band. Person or band? Because there's two different answers. Band. The Crew Shadows. Uh, person. David Bowie. <laughs> that one I knew. Um, favorite distillery. Uh, uh, wait, I forget the name of it. Sagamore Spirit here in Baltimore. 
Well, in, I, I'm not in Baltimore, but Sagamore has amazing rye. Nice. If you have not had their rye, get it. Favorite food? Mm, cheese. But also, if you want me to be like a meal, then sushi, I guess. Cheese is, cheese is all No, cheese. Cheese, cheese is, is my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, favorite city you've lived in? Seattle. Nice. Um, favorite Chronicles line? Why would you do that to me? <laughs> uh, changing the Lost. Nice. Lost. It's got to be Lost. I love Requiem so much. I've got to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, the... the, the the first edition clan books, if nothing else, for the art and the fiction, are like worth a buy. Oh, yeah. um, um, but for second edition, <laughs> I, I love Lost so much. I can't not love Lost. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's legit. And Lost is the one that gets recommended. Um, I've only played. This is first edition. The first edition. Um, Mortals and well, actually, I've only run because Mortals, and then I did a crossover game with Werewolf. Vampires, mm-hmm. mages, and ghosts. It's like Contagion Chronicle that we just put out? Kind of, but this was back like first edition. Yeah. Or it existed. But yes, Contagion Chronicle, which people should check out. I'm super excited. And uh, Requiem. So uh, Lost is the one that gets recommended to me the most. Lost is so, so Lost um, was by Megan Fitzgerald and Rose Bailey. Yes. And it really is about recovering from trauma and accepting who you are now. Um, and it's. The horror of finding yourself replaced by a doppelganger is something that, like, a lot of people don't explore very much yeah. in horror. Um, but that's that's what happens in Changeling, is when you get taken, your, your fetch, who is, like, a person made of sticks and leaves or, you know, fabric and buttons, takes over your life. And one of our, 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 our fiction in the book is about a trans person who comes back and sees their fetch living as their dead name. Ooh. Now, keep in mind, the developer is trans. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm no, not, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm not being I, I a dick about that. this. Okay, <laughs> I all knew right. that, but I was like, oof. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's 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 about that, and it's about um, her accepting who she is and making her own life away from that trauma. Yep. And it's it's so interesting because it's, it's a horror game, yep. but it's just a really beautiful exploration of that too of like healing and 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 trauma and ptsd and if you want to play it as a madcap adventure where you're all playing just changelings you're having a ball that's fine but like that's where the horror comes from in that game Mm -hmm. is the horror of being lost of having to escape of you know finding that someone's taken your place of accepting who you are now and finding a a a found family Mm -hmm. instead of your blood family maybe and that's such a compelling story for a lot of us you know kind of weirdos and outcasts yeah that i think it resonates with a lot of my queer friends and also a lot of my like goth friends and punk friends and stuff like yeah 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 absolutely without a lightning round answer but i had to like elaborate on changelings no that that, that, that's fine especially because it's been recommended to me but usually casually so now that gives me more impetus to pick up the book and read it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also check uh, it out it's so good because like the, the like loss of identity and refining it is a great concept to explore in horror i think yeah because so the the premise of changing the loss for those who don't know is that you were taken by the fae mm-hmm. and you were kept for some amount of time in arcadia it might have been two years it might have been two weeks it might have been 200 years you could have a rip band winkle type thing with this or a person out of time too um and you escaped you weren't let go 
you escaped. You mm. went through your Durants, you escaped the hedge, you got out. Um, your keeper, when you were in Arcadia still, could have done all kinds of things. Maybe you were forced to make clocks. Maybe you were forced to entertain at parties. Maybe you were forced to do less savory things. That's mm -hmm. up to you and your character and your consent forms. Um, you were doing something against your will, essentially, for a while. And then you come back. And you've, you, you, you've escaped. You, often the first scene that people roleplay is the Durants, the, the, the escape from the hedge. Um, there, there are things you can do in the hedge as well. Like there's a lot of viable play in the hedge, which is cool because the hedge is like the kind of in-between space. Yeah. Um, there are huntsmen after you who want to bring you back to your keeper. Mm -hmm. So that's a very easy main villain. Uh, there are your keepers who are terrifying because the true fae are utterly inhuman. They don't have human ideals or understandings or flaws or virtues. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also the coming back and finding out that you've been replaced. Yeah. So, like, you escape. Maybe for you, two weeks has passed, and for the outside world, 20 years has passed. Right. Has your fetch grown old with your wife? Is your fetch taking care of your aging parents? Did your fetch leave their position to go do something else? Only you can see them for what they are. Maybe, maybe the person they're living with has had hints here and there, but they don't know. They just know that it's you, and it's, and it's the you they want you to be. It is the best you. Or it is the best you for them, right. which is why the the transgendling sees her dead name and and you know assigned at birth gender as her fetch is because it's the version her spouse wanted her to be. It's not hers. And yeah, that's it's it's horror when you can get into like the meat of what makes it tick. But a lot of people, I don't think, see it for what it is. And they're yeah. just like, oh, it's a fairy game. And I'm like, no, no. Like, it's it's the scariest game we make. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> and I yeah. need you to understand that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. See? See? You're, you're a little affected right now. It's terrifying. I really want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Two more questions. Uh, okay. Favorite Vampire Clan? Why is it Lissandra? Hey, Vampire Clan is Lissandra. Um, And it's because when I first saw them, they had cool shadow magic. And also, I've always liked the idea of vampire not having reflections. Yeah. And having to, like, have helpers and um, servants and things. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, for many, many years, it was the Malkavians. I, I played a Malkavian for a long, long time. Like and there was a late convert to Lissandra's. I feel like a lot of people I know, and myself included, favorite clan was Malkavian when got introduced to vampire and then do, it evolved do you think that's because in the late 90s we had a culture where like being ha 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 random was like an actual character trait that we thought existed yes because that's that's what i think <laughs> i think that all of us who thought the delirium and sandman was really cool like was like the, the best character in sandman yep. also thought the malkavians were super cool yep. and then at some point we all grew up a little bit yep and went like they're, they're a great clan i have no problem with them as a clan especially when played right yep. oh my god please play them right um but yeah, past past that, it's like I like the Lasombra. I think their clerical, like their like clerical clergy background, is super cool. Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea that for a while they were pirates for some reason. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I I have played a lot of Lasombra anti tribs, and now I get to play Lasombra in the Camarilla. Yep, which is awesome for me. Like I'm so excited I get to play them in the Cam. So yeah, no, I am very happy. I still think Oblivion Towers are just the coolest. Like. Yeah. I think that's 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 the main reason that I think they're the coolest is because Oblivion Towers are the freaking coolest because he doesn't want to turn into a shadow or have shadow tentacles or like wither somebody by touching them. Um, and I I actually like Oblivion better than Penebration. I do too. Okay. I 
a, a lot of people have, have pushed back on that, but I like the idea that A, their powers come from somewhere. Yep. And B, they like get to do the abyss powers as well as the shadow powers. Cause I, th- I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's oblivion three where you get to either like move with the shadows or wither people with a touch. And I'm like, wither touch is cool as fuck. Yeah. Like I'm doing that one. Um, so yeah, love with armor now. Awesome. Very Best nice. Line. Last question I had came from chat and it was, uh, what's your favorite online clothes retailer? Oh God, that's so hard. Oh my God. Um, uh, 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 can I name like three? Yes. Okay, so I love Unique Vintage. Uh, their Halloween collection right now is amazing. Uh, and they also have cute stuff year-round that works on a lot of body types because they do um, almost every item they carry has straight sizing and plus sizing. Um, so most of their items run from extra small to 4X, which is really, really cool. Yep. And they also cut things differently depending on what the size is. So like me and my best friend who's got 38G boobs could wear the same dress because um, they cut it differently for the like, you know, what X and they do for the medium, which is awesome because I like matching clothes and I'm not very big. Um, I like mod cloth sometimes. Uh, they're really hit or miss for me. I generally check their clearance and I click on like black, gray and floral as my filters. Uh, so I don't see any bullshit I don't want. Uh, but I do love mod cloth. They have really well-made stuff and they're no longer owned by Walmart before somebody says that. They were owned by Walmart and they're independent again. I didn't know that. They've, they have a big thing about it. They're yeah, N- no one liked that, so they're so they're independent now. Awesome. Um, and then I actually do a lot of my shopping on ThreadUp, uh, which is uh, an online consignment store. Yep. Um, so it's not they they don't have men's clothing yet, sadly. Um, although all clothing is genderless, as always, my disclaimer. But they only have like women's clothing for now. Um, however, amazing prices. Like I literally in the other room have a. $400 Badgley Mishka Victorian top that I got for like 60 bucks. Awesome. Like what? Um, and they send you these like goodie boxes mm-hmm. every now and then if you sign up for them where they send you like 10 random clothing items. And I tried Stitch Fix for that a while back, which was a, a, like same kind of idea, but they, yep. but they send you new clothes. Um, and I hated what they sent me and they sent me three different boxes and I hated everything. And it was all overpriced. And it was all terrible. Um, <coughs> pardon me. And so he sent it back and thread up has never sent me anything that wasn't black, which I asked for. Nice. Uh, Stitch Fix did not do that. Stitch Fix sent me like weird ass fucking purple and like pale green shit when I explained to them that I had emerald green hair and I couldn't wear like a different green that didn't look good with it. Um, and so ThreadUp is amazing. I usually keep at least half the box. Uh, and if something doesn't work for you, they ask you to like feedback why, like they didn't work, whatever. And if you go through and favorite items and thread up, they'll try to send those if you don't buy them on their own. Oh, nice. But like most of my sweaters are from thread up. A lot of my dresses are from thread up. And then when it's not the uh, reunion tour, I actually shop at Goodwill and Target and Old Navy a lot. Maybe. <laughs> like I literally buy all my jeans from Old Navy. I'm wearing Old Navy jeans right now. Uh, this shirt, I think is from a Goodwill. I think my pajama pants are from Old Navy. <laughs> If you need some black basics, so here's 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 my goth fashion tip because uh, Aid Aid asked for that. <laughs> um, goth fashion tip is that accessories are what makes something goth, not the actual piece. So if you go buy a bunch of like cheap ass Forever Twenty One black dresses or like Target dresses or thread up dresses or Old Navy or Amazon or whatever, and then you put a, put a bat belt and some fishnets on, guess what? You're goth. You go put on like 
one of those like strappy, like, you know, harness things and some Doc Martens, you have just made an old Navy tank top and like Forever 21 miniskirt goth. It's so easy. And it's all about investing a little bit of money in the accessories. I put on these glasses and I look goth no matter what the fuck I'm wearing. (laughs) These are my $400 designer glasses. I love them. You can pry them from my cold, dead hands. I will keep getting these replaced as long as I can. I will never, ever be without them. And it's because they make me look like me when I put them on. Yep. Like, I don't feel like me without them now. Like, this is this is weird, Dixie. What is this? I don't like this. Nope, nope. Hate it. So, yeah, fashion of the day. It's like, it's, it's all about the accessories. If you're going to spend money on anything for goth clothing, spend it on belts and suspenders and boots and tights and like hair barrettes and whatever like earrings big necklaces don't spend it on the dresses unless you find a dress that has a pattern you really really like yeah that makes sense yeah so that's 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 my goth fashion tip awesome all right that's all we have for today that was fun thank you so much for joining me thank you and thank you for letting this go almost two hours because i talk too much that's fine that's fine it's always a pleasure. Um, where I have links I'm going to drop in chat, but you can say them. Where can people find you online? I think I meet everywhere at Dixie Cyanide is my handle. I think it's below my name. I haven't looked at myself on the stream. Look at that, Dixie Cyanide. That's me right there. Uh, my website's at DixieCochran.com if you want to see an incredibly outdated resume that I haven't updated in over a year because I'm lazy. Uh, but yeah, oh my God. Oh my God, you did the thing. <laughs> you got them all. Uh, so you can find me at those places. Uh, I'm hosting Onyx Pathcast uh, every week for the past two years plus, except one. Yeah. Which is a lot of weeks. I actually bowed out of an interview last week because I was like, I never bow out of interviews. I'm going to skip this one. Y'all have fun. <laughs> Partially because we don't want it to ever be a bunch of guys talking, generally. Yeah. That's like part of why I, I sit in on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I'm like, I, I just want a week off. My Insta is just pictures, pictures of food of, and my cat. Yeah, yeah no, that's Wednesday. it's it. It used to be a lot of selfies. If you scroll back and you see in the before times when I wore makeup on a regular basis, you will see lots of selfies. But um, past that, it's my cat. And then previous to that, it was my former roommate's cat. So there are extra cats if you go back like six months to a year. But yeah, find me there and uh, find me here a lot, actually, because yes, I like being here and the discord. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, everyone, thank you for having who tuned me. in. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful conversation. Um, if you're interested in learning more about editing, you can talk to Dixie, like, probably just on our Dix- Discord. I almost said Dixie Cord. Um, <laughs> just don't say Dixcord. It's a whole different thing. It's like an OnlyFans for Dicks. It's a problem. We don't want that. No. Mm-mm. I mean, some people might. Some people do. I don't. I'm not going to judge. Um, and, uh... Where you can also see more photos of Wednesday, Dixie's cat. And if you're looking at the three cats that are prior to my cat, the black and white one is Rocksteady, hmm. the gray and white one is Bebop, and the orange one is Apollo. Great. And if you go farther than that, there's a black and white one named uh, <laughs> Bandit. <laughs> like, I've had cats for a while. It's okay. Ian. You guys should start in only Ian's. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Or that might actually say only lands, in which case start a land party website. (laughs) Only land gaming. Oh, no. It's a sans serif font, so I can't tell. I know. I hate that. I hate it so much. Uh, What we all truly want. Okay, well, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk about that, Ian. 
Anyway, again, thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in. Um, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up in the very near future. This Saturday, uh, this Thursday, Dream SQ will be back. This Saturday, we have a one-shot of Morkborg. I saw that. I'm so excited to watch that. Yeah, and uh, um, Mike's in it. I haven't gotten to play, so like I've, I've only seen the layout, which I think is super cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't own the book, and I haven't gotten to play, so I'm, I'm excited to, to watch that and kind of like see what it looks like in play. Same. Because there, 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 there's some of these RPGs that look like art projects. Yeah. And I'm like, is it a good game, though, or is it just really cool looking? Because like... It can be either or, or it can be both, and I'm hoping that it's both. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping it's both. I did pick up the book. I flipped through it briefly. It's gorgeous. Um, Meredith and Mike sing its praises, but yeah. once again, aesthetics do count for a lot. They do. So. They do. Um, but yeah, it's going to be. I believe Mark is going to be running it, and it's going to be Mark Bork. Right. 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 It's Mark Bork. Mark Bork. Uh, Rick, Brother Wes, uh, Hollywood, Mike Tomasek, and. Um, Who are you forgetting there? Who are you forgetting, Ian? I hope oh. that you're forgetting it's in the chat. <laughs> and our friend Mike from Darker Days Radio. <laughs> you're having an all-dudes game? Yeah, it is. What the fuck, man? We, uh, we had someone drop out. But literally today. Come on, Mark. Are you watching, Mark? I guess I guess, I guess. guess all women are chopped liver. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see how it is. All, all, all women and non-binary folks. You just don't want us in your game. You're all dudes. All dudes in your game. Also, if you got somebody who played a Borg on Star Trek, you could actually play Mark Borg. Doesn't that one Star Trek actor who played a Borg follow, like, two people in your thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you should just get him. Mark Borg. If we get more Star Trek people, we can get Tony Todd, because he follows us, too. I know Jerry Ryan, kind of. In that my grandma knew her. Oh, okay. 40 years ago. I have met her at Consta. She's very nice. I've heard she's very nice. Um, this is a wonderful ending to this interview. It is. It's, it's making me really happy. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, so Morkborg. It's going to be like 11 o'clock. We're still going to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Morkborg <laughs> is coming up. And then um, next Monday, the next one shot we have from the Gehenna Valley crew is going to be Urban Shadows. Yay! I believe. That's exciting. 90% sure it's Urban Shadows. <laughs> well, if it's not, then uh, tune in for a surprise Monday night game. But yep, and then and then we have a, our charity stream coming up on Halloween, which we'll have more information about coming up very soon. <gasps> Yay, charity stream! Yes. So anyway, thank you everyone who tuned in. Thank you, Dixie, for the third time. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, and I'm sure you'll be back on the very near future. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll see y'all on the Discord in like ten seconds. Yes, so. that too. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming, twitch.tv slash GehennaGaming, and patreon.com slash GehennaGaming.